The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Welcome to another sci-fi survival guide. This particular chapter was suggested by Dave Nelson during a conversation on the Galactic Netcast Slack channel. This month is a subject that crosses over from science fiction to science fact. This month is an extinction level event. In brief, an extinction event is a widespread and rapid decrease in the amount of life on Earth. Such an event is identified by a sharp change in the diversity and abundance of multicellular organisms. Because the majority of diversity and biomass on Earth is microbial, and thus difficult to measure, recorded extinction events affect the easily observed, biologically complex component of the biosphere, rather than the total diversity and abundance of life. Extinction occurs at an uneven rate. Based on the fossil record, the background rate of extinctions on Earth is about two to five taxonomic families of marine animals every million years. Marine fossils are mostly used to measure extinction rates because of their superior fossil record and stratigraphic range compared to land organisms. Essentially, it is hard to predict such an event and hard to establish when land events happened due to poor fossilization. The event that terrifies me is the extinction of bees and other pollinators, as well as a more widespread rapid decline in all insects. Insect pollination is crucial for the healthy development of our favourite foods, from apples and avocados to cucumbers and onions. Of the 100 crop species that provide 90% of the global population's food, nearly three quarters rely on pollination by bees. The rest need beetles, flies, butterflies, birds and bats to act as pollinators. It is a mutually beneficial system. The flowers of most crops require pollen from another plant of the same crop to produce seeds or fruits. And bees and other critters transfer pollen from one plant to the next as they drink a flower's nectar. The agricultural industry relies on both wild pollinators and human-managed ones like honeybees kept and cared for in hives across the country. Concern over the latter's gradual decline has grown in recent times, but new research shows it might be the wild pollinators we should be worrying about. 
insects are the ecosystem's engineers. They function as pollinators, seed dispersers, decomposers, and many, many more. Decomposition often starts with them. Earth would be a dangerous place to live without them. There will be an outbreak of new disease every week. You will see carcasses and dung every half mile. Upping the ante on the end of days style events that insect eradication would represent, ghoulishly all the resulting dead trees and animal carcasses and human bodies would linger around far longer, decomposing much slower than they would in a world above with insects. That is because insects, along with bacteria and fungi, serve as major decomposers of organic material, from leaf litter to corpses. Without insects, the world would heap up with things that are deceased, adding a poetic touch to the decrepitude, honey and silk, two of the most highly prized substances in human history, celebrated in ancient verse and across centuries of trade, would be no more, since both are produced by insects. Alarmingly, the notion of all insect kind dying is not inconceivable. To take one prime example, the multiple threat of pesticide, disease and habitat loss has decimated wild and commercially hived honeybees in recent years. Sci-Fi Survival Guide is a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more on this podcast, including show notes, contact info, and subscription links, go to gncasts.com slash survive. For other shows from Galactic Netcasts, go to gncasts.com. You can contact us by leaving a message at 805-328-3966, record a voice message on our website, or email me survive at gncasts.com. Would you like to get the latest information on what Galactic Netcast has been up to over the past month? such as guests on our shows, topics that we have discussed. Would you also like to join our Slack team with the ability to chat to hosts and other listeners? 
if you answered yes to either of those questions, go to gncasts.com slash sign up. You can keep on top of what the network has been up to by following Galactic Netcasts on our social media, Twitter, Facebook page, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. Just search for Galactic Netcasts or click on the corresponding logos on the top right of our webpage at gncasts.com. There are things that we can do. Unless you want to live in a world of half decay, of disease, of suffering and starvation. The ten steps I have written suppose that that has happened that the insects are no more. After I have delivered the 10 steps to human survival during an insect extinction event, I will not be creating a drama experience. I find the notion too harrowing, especially as it is all too possible. Instead, I shall simply be reading two poems. To One in Paradise by Edgar Allan Poe and Telling the Bees by Emily Dickinson. I hope you find them as calming as I do. But now... Let us imagine how humans would survive during an insect extinction event and the 10 steps to survival. How to spot an extinction level event. An event such as this is likely to take time it would be foolish to think that this could happen overnight. Events such as these can start slowly. It might be that you haven't seen as many butterflies this year. Or maybe the spawning of new flies are late. How long has it been since you last saw a ladybird? Maybe the news has reported lower crop yields. In short, it is nearly impossible to spot such an event until it is irreversible. But if they all did die quickly, then how would you survive the event? Surviving the event. We are fortunate that we currently live in a town time 
of bountiful plenty, with technologies that can freeze produce, with scientists that can artificially create vitamins. But these remedial steps may not be enough. Without insects, the stench of death will fill the air. Without insects, birds will die, carrion will collect in the paths and roadways. Our survival isn't guaranteed, as food is likely to become scarce, and carrion will slowly rot, creating swathes of potentially harmful bacterial colonies. New diseases will be prevalent. Survival will be a premium offered to the few, but only for a limited space of time. Can you protect yourself? There should be no need to arm yourself as an combatant as such, but one of the most essential items you will need is a shovel. As you come across the strewn remains of dead livestock, birds and other fetid creatures, you will need to bury or cremate them to minimise the risk of new airborne diseases. Although this futile attempt to stop new diseases is only a short-term measure. How to dress. You will not need to change your fashion or wear different clothing when this event occurs. Of course, some natural fibres will become unavailable. Hopefully, this will not impede you in any way. Preparing your home. When this event occurs, you should wisely invest in a large freezer or multiple freezers. Maybe a larger store for canned goods. But of course, this is a short-term method. Perhaps your neighbours may suspect you have a large stock of food. This may make you a target for thieves. Or worse. Reinforce your doors and locks. Be vigilant. But also know that this is only a short-term solution. Supposing the unthinkable happens, you have been raided, your items are gone, you have no food. Maybe you can survive. On the road, the government is likely to want to move everyone into settlements. Do not go to these camps. The fighting and bandit raids will increase. If you are made to go to a camp, then be aware that any food you have will likely become currency to barter with, or worse, a target for a thief. The only way to survive if you are on the road is thieving and scavenging, and in some extreme cases, murder.
assembling a group. As with all survival situations, a group can help with scavenging. You can cover a larger area with more people. Of course, choose wise, as a lot of people will be out to dupe you. Protect your group and protect your supplies. But how to deal with food thieves? Death to all food thieves in these trying times. If you to spur them, then they will only come back with more people. They will have labelled you as an easy mark. I know it is unpleasant, but when everything around you is dying, the only option is the harshest one. Long-term survival. If the insects die, then we die. If an extinction level event has destroyed the insects, then this is the first nail in the coffin of the human race. There is no long-term survival. At best, the forecast for the human race is 50 years. 50 years of struggling to find fresh produce. 50 years of disease. If the insects die, we die. There is no long-term survival. How to prepare early. We need to look after our planet and our resources and the animals on our planet. Look after the bees, the insects, the pollinators. Plant flowers. Always feed the pollinators. Wild sow as you meander through the countrysides. Minimise the use of damaging chemicals. If you turn a blind eye to nature, then maybe nature will turn a blind eye to you. If the insects die, we die. Don't turn a blind eye to nature. Hauntings, sky sounds, parallel universes, monster sightings, the New World Order, ghost ships, urban legends, mysterious radio broadcasts, and secret government facilities are just a few things we've talked about on Weird World Weekly. Listen to find out what's next. Go to gncasts.com slash weird to listen, find out more, and subscribe to the podcast that discusses the paranormal, mythological, conspiratorial, unexplained, or anything else we think is a little strange and out of the ordinary. 
Also, Matt's continuing search for turkey recipes. It's all on Weird World Weekly, part of the Galactic Netcast network of shows, also available wherever you listen to podcasts. There is no audio drama for this month. Instead, I have selected two poems. The first is by Edgar Allan Poe. To one in paradise. The waste all that to me, love, for which my soul did pine. A green isle in the sea, love, a fountain and a shrine, all wreathed with fairy fruits and flowers, and all the flowers were mine. Ah, dream too bright to last, ah, starry hope that didst arise, but to be overcast, a voice from out the future cries, On! On! But o'er the past, dim gulf, my spirit hovering lies, mute, motionless, aghast. For alas, alas me, the light of life is o'er. No more, no more, no more. Such language holds the solemn sea to the sands upon the shore. Shall bloom the thunder-blasted tree, or the stricken eagle soar. And all my days are trances, and all my nightly dreams are where thy grey eye glances, and where thy footstep gleams, in what ethereal dances, by what eternal streams. There is a lot of folklore surrounding bees. They have been likened to the souls of young children, to harbingers of death, telling others of loss. And for that reason, I have chosen Telling the Bees by Emily Dickinson. Here is the place, right over the hill. Runs the path I took, you can see the gap in the old wall still, and the stepping stones in the shallow brook. There is a house, with a gate red barred and the poplars tall, and the barn's brown length and the cattle yard, and the white horns tossing above the wall. There are the beehives ranged in the sun, and down by the brink, of the brook are her poor flowers weed run pansy and daffodil, rose and pink. A year has gone as the tortoise goes, heavy and slow. And the same rose blows, and the same sun glows, and the same brook sings of a year ago. There's the same sweet clover smell in the breeze. And the June sun warm tangles his wings of fire in the trees, setting as then over Fernside Farm. 
I mind me how, with a lover's care, from my Sunday coat I brushed off the burrs and smoothed my hair and cooled at the brookside my brow and throat. Since we parted a month had passed, to love a year, down through the beaches I looked at last on the little red gate and the well-sweep near. I can see it all now, the slantwise rain of light through the leaves, the sundown's blaze on her window pane, the bloom of her roses under the eaves. Just the same as a month before, the house and the trees, the barn's brown gable, the vine by the door, nothing changed but the hives of bees. Before them under the garden wall, forward and back went drearily singing the chore girl small, draping each hive with a shred of black. Trembling, I listened the summer sun, had the chill of snow, for I knew she was telling the bees of one, gone on the journey we all must go. Then I said to myself, my Mary sweeps for the dead today. Happily her blind old grandsire sleeps, the fret and the pain of his age away. But her dog whined low on the doorway sill, with his cane to his chin, the old man sat, and the chore girl still, sung to the bees stealing out and in. And the song she was singing ever since in my ear sounds on. Stay at home, pretty bees. Fly not hence. Mistress Mary is dead and gone. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. The music that backs the Ten Steps is by the Fesleyan Studio. They are friends of the show. You should check them out on their YouTube channel. Some of their things are downright creepy. I shall be going now, but please remember, save the bees, save the insects, save the human race. When I return next time, I will be doing a series of mini information broadcasts all about conspiracy. These are all interlinked, interwoven. These I consider my all-time favourite conspiracy theories. I hope you enjoy them when I release them week 
by week. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.